0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. So I've been hearing about this organization called Leftovers Foundation, which began in Calgary and is now spreading across the country. It's come to Winnipeg. And joining us on the phone now is the Winnipeg representative for Leftovers Foundation, Brandy Bobier. Brandy, good afternoon. Hey, Hal.
1: How's it going?
0: Excellent. Thank you for doing this. So uh, you're Absolutely. a caterer. For me on. Yeah, you're a caterer. You've got a company. Uh, people can find out about it at classiceats.ca. ClassicEats.ca. How would you get involved with the Leftovers yeah. Foundation?
1: Um, well, so Classic Eats is primarily shut down for, for the time being. Um, with the Code Red restrictions, we can't cater anything. We primarily do events and corporate catering like uh larger larger groups, and so there's no larger groups to uh, to cater to since last March, mm-hmm. which is fine because it it gave me the opportunity to officially work with the leftovers Foundation, get our funding in place to actually bring leftovers to Winnipeg um, It's such an important model that i've been I've been thinking about it for many, many years um, because I grew up in the North end, went to St John's High School. And I've always known about food insecurity, that it's a thing. And it's a thing that affects so many people here in Winnipeg and all over Manitoba, in fact. Um, and we have a different food landscape here in Winnipeg than any other major city in Canada, maybe even in North America, I don't know. But definitely one that requires a large scalable model where we could potentially be helping out the service agency citywide to be able to feed all the people who need the free food Um, and that's when i got uh, in touch with leftovers in 2019 that was the main goal was how do we get this to winnipeg how do we start helping people
0: Mm -hmm. and i know uh saint james burger on ness is involved ravi and the gang over there Mm -hmm. is involved Uh, what other restaurants have you got helping you out with their leftovers and you've got a couple of big food companies too
1: yeah, so St. James Burger and Chip Co. is actually the first, uh, first every day of the week pickup that we have on our app for a restaurant. Um, we have other, uh, we have smaller catering or uh, smaller uh, coffee shops like Modern Coffee, uh, where we do pick up once a week. We've got a Safeway store where we pick up once a week, um, which is actually through another uh, food rescue agency called Second Harvest, and we work with them hand in hand. Um, to make sure that the food is not going in the landfill, that it's actually going out to people who need it because it's perfectly good food and there's no reason mm-hmm. for it to go in the garbage. Yeah. Um, but those major distributors, um, I was able to leverage my uh, my contacts with Cisco and GFS because they're two of my suppliers for my catering business. Um, I was able to chat with them over the last couple of years about, hey, we want to start like getting some of this food redirected So it's not going in the garbage. And I'm a very top-down thinker. So my thought was initially when we started, uh, when we got leftovers up and running here in Winnipeg, is how do we get Cisco and GFS to start thinking differently about their inventory and the way things go to waste? Because a huge supplier like that is obviously going to create a bigger impact than a small mom-and-pop grocery store. Um, we love dealing with the mom-and-pop grocery stores because they're more conscious of it and of their waste and saving money on their waste pickups and things like that. But with larger companies like GFS and Cisco, they can make such a huge impact. And we're seeing that firsthand now.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is just its a no-brainer, right? Instead of this food ending up in the landfill it can end up in the mouths of people that need it. And, and so how do you make that connection? You get the Cisco's and the St. James Burgers of the world. Uh, you get yeah. them on you get them on your app, which I imagine people can find at the app store. We'll get the details at the end of mm-hmm. the conversation here. And then you get that food from them to organizations in need like who? Give me some examples.
1: So some of the organizations that we work with regularly are um, Mama Wei Uh, they have a huge food bank operation. They're making uh, roughly like they're averaging out about 2,000 hampers for families per week. Um, And those are delivered weekly to all these families. Um, So they always need food. Um, They're getting from a number of other organizations as well, like uh, Harvest Manitoba, and uh, they have granting in place and things like that. And um, and so we're, what we bring to them is kind of to fill in their hampers to make Mm -hmm. sure that there's, There's lots of good stuff and lots of variety in those hampers. Um, We work with smaller organizations as well, like um, Andrew Street Family Centre, the North End Women's Centre, North Point Douglas Women's Centre. We work with 24-7 agencies like Rossbrook House and um, the West End 24-7 Safe Safe Space through uh, Spence Neighbourhood Association. Um, And actually, the 24-7 safe safe space through Spence Neighborhood Association is where those donations from St. James Burger and Fry go every night, because they have people available at 830 at night to accept a donation. And they Mm -hmm. serve a meal at 11 o'clock at night to people. Hmm. So it works out perfectly for the timing.
0: Yeah, and you're kind of a one-woman operation right now. Um, (laughs) How can people get the app? Do you need any help? How can restaurants out there that maybe are listening to this? I mean, restaurants are struggling right now, but you know what? They they would at least be able to know, um, you know, if food doesn't go to waste, Mm -hmm. it goes to somebody in need, right, which would be a good thing. So how can people get involved, help you here?
1: Yes, I am kind of a one-woman operation right now. (laughs) <laughs> because I am the only and staff good for member you for it. Over. By <laughs> the way, good for you. <laughs> Thank you, but we do. I do have the backing of almost a hundred volunteers on our app now, who are transporting the food from point A to point B. Point A being the donors, point B being the service agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what we're looking for right now is, of course, we're looking for restaurants, um, bakeries, any coffee shops, any. Um, delis and things like that anybody who has food that they know is still good that they're throwing out because they don't have anything else that they can do with it viably
0: right. and is it leftovers um, foundation on the app store is that where people find the app i just don't want to run at a time yeah
1: here. so the the app is uh, so you can link to the app and how to download it and everything through our website www.rescuefood.ca um, and that will take you to every bit of info you need
0: rescuefood.ca rescuefood.ca hey brandy it's not very often good things come from calgary but i'm really happy to hear about leftovers foundation
1: (laughs) wonderful thank you so much i'm so glad i was able to get connected with them
0: yes thank you thank you brandy keep up the good work out there fantastic thanks
1: for having me take care
0: Brandy Bobier, uh, her catering company, Classic Eats, classiceats.ca. I want to give her a plug for when the pandemic is over. Basically not operating right now because of the pandemic, and she has gotten involved in Leftovers Foundation. Again, the website, rescuefood.ca. Rescuefood.ca, if you can help out. I think it's a great idea. Right now, Christina Graham is here, Adoptions Manager at the Winnipeg Humane Society. Christina, good afternoon. Hi, Hal. Thanks for having us. No, thank you for coming on. I wanted to get an update from you. I was reading a a few stories. Um, For example, one uh, out of the Washington area where animal shelters there are experiencing a unique problem. As the pandemic rages on uh, and more people are staying at home more, it has apparently in that area and other areas, and I'm wondering about here, it has created a high demand for adopting dogs and the supply Well, they're saying in some shelters they are running out of pets. What's happening here? You guys are doing it by appointment only, right?
2: Yes, we did have to make some adjustments. Actually, we went to appointments well before the Code Red uh, total lockdown restrictions, Uh, but we still adopted over 3,600 animals in 2020, which we were very pleased with. Our numbers were actually slightly lower, but we noticed – that other rescues were slightly higher. So I think it was the same amount of adopters. It was just a different distribution, which is great because it takes the entire community to find these animals great homes.
0: And it is great that these animals are finding homes. Don't get me wrong. I've got Hershey's, you know, 15 feet away from me. I love her dearly. And and many of the people that listen to this show have animals, dogs, cats, and other animals, and, and they are animal lovers like me. But when people are maybe spending more time at home, working at home, when things do get back to normal, I worry that that animal, whatever the animal is, may be at home alone. What are you doing to take care of that concern? That is an
2: excellent concern and we have definitely been asked that question. Not only do we counsel people before adoption, making sure that they're taking into account uh, the lifestyle now versus the lifestyle in the future once the world does slowly return to normal. We also have a behavior department which has counselors that will help people work on things so that animals don't Uh, develop separation anxiety or, you know, get depressed because there is a shift in how people are spending their time at home. So we are really trying to be preventative and educate and make sure people are prepared for that uh, transition. So encouraging things like kennel training for a new puppy is a good tool to have uh, in your belt uh, and practicing leaving them even if it's just for a quick trip to the grocery store. Uh, So we're just trying to get people prepared to think of those changes so that they don't end up uh, frustrating their animal or themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. What about the sad side of this story? I'm wondering if you're seeing any of this. I think at any point you see a bit of this. I'm wondering if you're seeing more people that maybe have lost their job uh, or they've had to take a different job with different hours. They can't take care of their animal properly anymore and they bring it to you to find a new home. Are you seeing more of that on the other side?
2: Not more, I think the ratio or the rate is staying steady, um, but I myself personally, I did adopt a dog from here in August who was surrendered because they had lost their jobs and their home because of covid so it 's definitely something we 're seeing um, and and it is sad we are actually trying to develop programs. Uh, we had a program that was developed for housing. Animals. It's called Safe Pet. If women leaving uh, domestic abuse situations need a temporary foster so that they can make those arrangements, we've now expanded it to include um, a foster situation if people are getting extended hospitalizations or, or seeing those concerns due to COVID. So that is one of the things we did to try and respond to those needs in the community.
0: Interesting. And, and so many interviews that I've done over the past 10 months, there's been an element of, oh, we've had to change the way we do business or we're doing things differently now because of COVID-19 and because of the pandemic. Anything else at the Humane Society or is that sort of a, a, a one area that you're you're seeing uh, need for change?
2: Uh, we are also working with uh, local vets. We, we've developed what's called an urgent care um, kind of treatment and basically when people go to like the emergency vets and they they get a an extremely high um bill quote we are trying to help those clients so that they don't lose their pet because of the need for medical care we're trying to work with the other clinics and here with our vets to try and keep those animals in their homes uh and get the treatment they need
0: Yeah, because that would be another uh, issue, right, for a family. Maybe they've uh, lost a job or lost both jobs in a family, and they've got to start looking at their expenses. And listen, we love our animals, but they're not cheap, are they?
2: Exactly. And we do know that um, some of these people, these are good homes, these are good people. They just have fallen on hard times because these are unique and, and trying times for many.
0: Christina, glad to hear things are going well at the Humane Society. Thanks for doing this.
2: Wonderful. Thanks, Hal. Have a great day.
0: Christina Graham, adoptions manager, Winnipeg Humane Society. I should have got her to give the website, but you know how to get a hold of the Winnipeg Humane Society if you are in uh, need of an animal. And boy, I'll tell you, we love Hershey, and uh, they change your life. Uh, They are really, really special and, and make tough times like the times we're in now a little bit easier to handle. Carolyn Klasson, Connexus Counseling, ConexusCounseling.ca. Carolyn, I apologize. It's been one of those days. The Premier and Dr. and called a news conference and everything got kind of jammed up. But I promise we'll go as long as we can here with you because we've got to get our, our regular Thursday visit in. So we're getting a few freedoms, uh, new freedoms or old freedoms. We're getting old freedoms back um, talk a little bit about this because, I, well, I think it's, you know, great that we get to do a few things we haven't been able to do for a while, but we've got to keep the bigger picture in mind, don't we?
3: I, we do, absolutely. I feel a little bit like I'm kind of 15 or 16 years old again when my mom says, well, it's the, you've been having the 10 o'clock curfew really well, so let's see if we can extend it to 11 And if you handle that one really well, then we can keep it there, even increase it. And the temptation, once you get your curfew extended just a little bit, is to blow way past it because you're enjoying that new freedom so much. And then there's just this boomerang effect where you'll not only lose that, but it gets clawed back. And I think this is our opportunity to show Dr. Rusin that we can handle the increased freedoms and that our numbers aren't gonna go up because we're gonna wear masks, we're gonna socially distance, we're gonna wash our hands, and we're not going to push, if he says only two people and the same two people, We aren't going to keep switching it up. We are going to listen to him, and the numbers are going to reflect that, and then our effort is going to be rewarded um, in the future. I can hardly wait.
0: Yeah. Uh, Two designated people, uh, starting Saturday, family or friends, can visit a household under the new rule of two. And while many people on text message and email are saying, oh, I can't wait to get a haircut or I can buy my lottery tickets and play my numbers again, many people are saying, oh, grandma's going to get to see. Well, you, you're a brand new grandma. I'm sure you're excited about this, too.
3: Well, and what I don't know is if if that means I'm going to be one of the two, right? I have to recognize that they have to take care of this little one. Um, And what I do know, though, is that everybody who is so isolated can get just a little bit of support. And I have to tell you, you were asking people what they were looking forward to most. I am looking forward to hearing stories of people that have been so isolated and so lonely and so need of human contact to have that little bit of contact. And I'm going to get to hear those stories of the slightly increased freedom, and I can hardly wait.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's hugging day today, and you were telling me some cool ways that that people are replacing hugs because, you know, there are people, I'm not a big hugger, I've been known to do it, uh, but obviously we don't do it now. And But you're saying there's some pretty cool things happening out there when people can't hug. Well,
3: yes, and I think I love the idea that so often at the end of a visit with a friend um, or a colleague, I'll just say, you know, love you, and I'll generally will end with a hug pre-COVID. And now what I've been doing is sort of giving this air hug, which ends up that I'm reaching out as if I'm hugging, and then I end up embracing myself. And it's funny, when I do that to others, they instinctively do it as well. And so we end up sort of giving each other w- where my arms give them a you know how I mean, right? Like right? So my yeah, arms Yeah, you are hug yourself,
0: arms, they hug themselves and yeah, I know what you mean.
3: And we're exchanging as if each other's arms are doing it. And you know, it's second best, but it works. I've also heard stories of little grandchildren coming up and kissing the iPad screen or giving the iPad a hug. And grandma feels like that's just, it melts grandma's hearts to hear that and to, to witness that and to watch that, to be a part of that. And so whatever people can do to simulate a hug without actually doing it to obey the red restriction, I think is really important.
0: Hmm. Hey, I don't have time to play the clip that I was going to play here before we talk about her, cause, but I played a clip of her earlier, so pe- hopefully people heard it. And if you have not heard any of the poem at the inauguration yesterday, uh, by Amanda Gorman, please it's four four and a half minutes long. Go and check it out on YouTube. just find it. You may not necessarily agree with every message somebody was texting me earlier and saying, well, you know Helen I'm, I I don't have to agree with everything she says in order to be impressed by her. She is just incredible. Here is a young uh, black woman in her in her early 20s overcame a speech impediment she's going to Harvard now, and she gave an incredible poem uh, performed she didn't even read it she performed the poem in my opinion and and I was just I was almost in tears watching it last night.
3: Well, I was in tears absolutely it was stunning. She had such like not only like you say she wrote this incredible poem but she performed it yesterday with such grace and dignity and the way her hands moved as she read it. She had such poise Mm -hmm. to perform, you know, in front of the world to recite her work. Um, And I think she just. I met her um, several months ago, actually, when um, some good news um, used to... You know, John Krasinski was doing those videos with some good news? And there's a video where she actually meets Oprah on John Krasinski's show, and then at the end performs a poem at the end of this graduation, kind of as a valedictorian address to the community where, where we didn't get the normal graduations. And it was just beautiful, and to sort of see her so starstruck when she met Oprah there, and then this beauty where Oprah contributed um Maya Angelou's uh earring and ring um so that she could perform wearing those because as we know Maya Angelou performed that inaugural poem many years ago and so there's this beautiful passing Mm -hmm. down and beautiful celebration of African-American women celebrating each other and lifting each other up just loved it
0: yeah well and then uh you know Kamala Harris yesterday uh, some first there uh first black woman uh, uh first woman of Asian descent Uh, to be vice president, sworn in as as vice president, and uh, Manitoba's new mental health minister, Audrey Gordon, was on the start this morning talking about how when she was a girl, she didn't see people that looked like her in positions like that and how it moved her. It it was just um, politics aside, and I I know there are Trump fans out there and there are Biden people out there. Politics aside, it was just a wonderful day on so many levels, I thought, Carolyn. Well, I
3: I spoke to a nonprofit group yesterday that was racially diverse. I did a webinar with them. And I have to tell you, I was in tough competition um, as I'm giving this webinar because some of the women were very openly saying, I've got one eye on the TV because someone that looks just like me is going to become vice president. And it was such a powerful, Mm -hmm. empowering day for them. And just the delight that they had, they just kept saying over and over, someone like me is going to be vice president. And it means so much. And I think we just we know that it's really important to see people who look like us to show us what is possible. And that happens in a whole new way for little girls and young women everywhere. Oh, it was a good day yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was. Um, I was reading an article and I shared it with you, or I shared some details of it with you. Um, uh, how uh, the silent treatment often, you know, when a couple fights, there's the silent treatment, and, then, and there's different variations of what the silent treatment can be and, and is. And uh, this article, which was quoting some experts, these experts were saying that this is the biggest predictor of divorce is when a couple, one or the other, or both, Uh, give the other the silent treatment. And you have literally uh, written the book uh, on marriage and and relationships here. So please, at the end of this, plug your book, but talk a little bit about the importance of communication when there are issues in in a relationship.
3: Disengagement is the most sinister form of betrayal and often we only think of affairs or you know financial corruption um, having a having a really high credit card and unknown credit card behind that that is betrayal but disengagement turning your back away and pulling away and refusing to engage is a huge form of betrayal and yes, I wrote the book, Nice to a Fault, Redefining Hind- Kindness and Marriage. It's available on Amazon and on Kobo as well. I would just encourage people to figure out when you're really mad at somebody, giving them the silent treatment, pulling away. You think that that is going to punish them, but what it does is it frazzles the relationship, it stretches it, it wears it out, it wears it thin, and everybody suffers, including the person. If you think I'm going to make that other person pay by not talking to them, the person who suffers is also you, and so I just encourage people as hard as, as much courage as it takes to say I'm really mad at you and I want to talk about it. It's a beautiful way to start the discussion. It's actually a kind thing to say rather than be quiet. I'm going to turn to you and tell you something. I hope it comes out right, but I even if it doesn't, let's keep working at this because I care enough about us to say the hard, difficult things. It's a gift to say the hard things in relationships.
0: Carolyn, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Take care.